Well, if you don't see it, we ain't got it. Everything we're going to be eating is on this table. When it's gone, we're done feeding. Pass All right, chicken. son, start passing that chicken for it loses its juice. But you got another shift coming on when we're done? Breast or thigh, darling? Why don't you take one of each, son? They uh, both look tender. Forget about the other shift. I didn't know about Goliath here. Oh, he's got a big motor to feed. You've done real good, son. He cooks better than his ma. He doesn't sew, too, does he? Only his wild oats, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 70 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to visit us at our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Show news? Any show news? No show news this week. I got a little show news. I'm sick. So I apologize uh, in advance to our listeners listening to my nasal nasally drone. Uh, I know that could be annoying, so, um, but it's. I think it's more important to get a show out. We're in the trenches here, so. That's right. It's not like we can call in sick to the podcast on, like, work tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. So, um, this is for the fans. Uh, as annoying as it may be, we're sticking it out to uh, <laughs> review a classic, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, the Russ Myers cult classic from 1966. Three curvaceous go-go dancers in a cool in cool sports cars go on a desert crime spree led by Varla, the amazing Tura Satana, a busty, nasty woman dressed entirely in black. Varla's lesbian mall, Rosie, played by Haji, who has an extremely overwrought accent, and reluctant bimbo Billy, played by Lori Williams, are along for the ride. When they meet a naive young couple, Tommy and Linda... Uh, Varla challenges the man to a race, then kills him by breaking his back. They take Linda hostage and drive to a house owned by a crippled old lecher and his muscular but retarded son, the Vegetable. I don't know if he has a name. No, uh, he's called the Vegetable. Yeah, Varla discovers that the old man has money hidden on the property, so the girls try to find it. Meanwhile, the Vegetable's perverted father tries to trick him into assaulting one of the girls as he watches. But his other son finally shows up to save the day. And then there's the whole last 20 minutes of it, which I kind of found enjoyable. This movie sort of grew on me as I watched it. I rewatched some of the beginning, and I liked it more the second viewing. It's a little bit like a, a stinky cheese. You got to sort of learn to love it, I think. And I'm not sure if really this whole Russ Myers, is this like sexploitation? Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know exactly if it's really, what it is necessarily my thing but it's you know it's got its moments i mean i think the best way to maybe approach this film would just be to talk about each of the characters in turn um well let's talk about varla since varla yeah that is, is a the, sexy name is the oh, iconic varla. <laughs> uh, maybe back in 65 it's sort of uh i think it connotates now your grandmother's name uh, if somebody needed to go my grandma varla Going over there, you know, for Christmas or whatever. Uh, well, she's got some good lines. Here's uh, here's one. You've got a weird sense of humor. Try again. I get funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that one. That's pretty well, good. I, I, you know, watching this movie, uh, 
I am taken aback to my youth and I guess the early 90s. And, you know, we were sort of the children of grunge. You know, we grew up in Seattle and or Seattle area and Nirvana and all those bands were, were big. But there was sort of a feminine answer to the whole grunge era. And I called it like the Riot Girls. Are you familiar with that? Uh, well, there was a group of girls at the university you went to that you sort of called that. Well, no, we called right? them the Riot Girls because they they were sort of personifying the whole Riot Girl movement. And uh, there were some bands that, you know, were big around that time. Like, I, I think at L7. Remember the band oh, yeah, L7? yeah, L7, yeah. Smell yeah. the magic. Yeah, they had a great T-shirt, and it was uh, some chick, like, straddling a dude's head. And it was like, smell the magic or something like that. That's but right. they were, they reminded me of Varla. Like, I saw them on stage a few times. And uh, they were just mean, nasty, uh, you know. It's like a version of hardcore feminism I, I can't quite describe. I guess the most accurate uh, m- metaphor would be the uh, roller derby girls. If you've ever run into a few of those gals, you know, big bone, tattoos, uh, kind of look like Betty Page on a bad day, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I got a, I got quite a feel of the whole Varla thing. Like she, uh, like this is where it started. Like she uh, perpetuated a, a mean girl aesthetic that's sort of uh, filtered through our pop culture, you know. Yeah, you know, Varla's sort of a cunt. Right? Yeah, she sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd hate to hang out with her. Let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, and uh, uh, so is uh, Billy. The only one that may be a little nice is Rosie in a certain, in a weird sort of way. But she's um, a lesbian. Yeah, I liked. Uh, no, I liked. I thought Billy was hot, so that's why. I Really? Was oh, I, uh, Billy is not my type. I don't know what it is. I don't know, she man. Is not. I like do not find her attractive. I like the big bone, big boob girls. What can I say? I'm a I'm a man of the, that era. That well, stuff, there was uh, no shortage of all three of these uh, main women were big breasted. Yeah, yeah. I I don't like the little little boy aesthetic of our of our recent um, zeitgeist with regard to female fashion. I find it kind of hideous. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just me. I like a more like healthy, voluptuous fifties, sixties feminine sensibility in, the, so. in their 50s and 60s yeah i know what you mean yeah <laughs> um <laughs> anyway so, but you i know this movie i mean the overreaching point of this movie is sort of a weird men's fear of women well is it a feminist movie let's 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 no let's, i don't think so it's more really? of a it's more of a, a mis- it's more about it's more about like sort of a, the dying of misogynism the death of it is it is it ironic feminism? I don't know about. I don't really know much about feminism. About being a woman, I don't. I think. It, I don't think you can really be much of a feminist if you're a man. I guess you can sort of. It's sort of like being a a vegan rights. I mean, a vegan activist when you eat meat it doesn't uh, really yeah. make sense, right? Well, uh, um, go ahead. I think that uh, it's really, I mean, the movie opens saying as much as like, ah, uh, violence, you know, beware of violence. You know, there's sort of the 
the intro scene, which is sort of neat, where I think it's like overlaying the audio track that's usually on the side of film back when they used to see oh, yeah, yeah, the audio. Yeah. Um, you know, violence and beware of violence. And, and these women, you know, they have, they unite the two sides of the same coin, sex and violence, and watch out for them. You know, they'll eat you up and spit you out. She's a man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so it's sort of about men being afraid of women to a certain extent, and I'm sort of afraid of these chicks, to be quite honest with you. Well, sort of scare the shit out you, of me. You get Varla just murdering Tommy for no good reason out on the. Out oh, that's on the a flat. great neck break maneuver. I wonder if that actually works. If you put a foot on the back of somebody's head, they're laying on their stomach, and pull back as hard as you can on their arms and push forward. Would that um, break somebody's neck? My guess uh, is yes. I, I think they do that. They do that to laboratory rodents, so it's a way to uh, to kill them. It's called cervical dislocation. Why not? I mean, you're just, uh, yeah, exactly that. You know, I'm sure it wouldn't take much. The neck's not as uh, robust as you might think. Oh, I mean, I think I think the idea is that you uh, break the spinal cord when you do it. Right. So, then the movie starts with this weird uh, meeting at the... Uh, I want to call them salt flats, it's just a dry lake bed for cars. And uh, the cars that they're driving aren't what I think of as uh, big, fast cars of the 60s. There's like, yeah, they, they couldn't have that big engines in them. They're such tiny cars. They're like two-seaters. Yeah, they're little uh, MGs, um, a Triumph and a Porsche. And I don't know which one Varla drives. But, uh, I mean, I guess you know, that's always the game. It's always about, you know, your weight-to-power ratio. So they're probably pretty light cars. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, he's out there, and he's trying to beat the clock. And then Varla says something you about You mean Tommy? Like, yeah. He's like, I don't. And then uh, Varla comes up to him and is like, I don't beat clocks, just people. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah and, then, and, then, and then proceeds to murder Tommy. Uh, it's really weird. That's just that whole beginning scene, and like uh, she grabs the 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 locket or something off of uh, who's the the poor victim of this whole film? That girl in the bikini. Oh, you mean Linda? Tommy. Yeah. Tommy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right, and um, just uh, like tears it from her, and then that's how the fight gets started, and then. She kills Tommy, and I was like, yeah. with karate chops and the uh, neck breaking maneuver. And I'm yeah, like, what the? Cool. F-? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? They really turned it up to eleven really fast, right? See, it's 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 really absurd. I mean, these women could be hard drinking, hard loving, you know, rough and tumbled, but that doesn't mean you're going to take somebody and break their neck on a dry lake bed out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, for shits and giggles. I mean, and, you know. and everybody's down with it. <laughs> All right. It's like, oh, what do we got to do now? Well, I guess we'll take this girl hostage. You know, well, yeah, we don't want to kill another person here. I think the main idea is that let's take her for a while, and uh, I'm sure she'll she won't yell or scream or do anything weird, and uh, <laughs> then we'll get rid of her a few miles away, so nobody's even more suspicious. Yeah. Oh, and and let's go rob this old man we found who might have some money. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess I don't understand the money thing too. I mean, it seems like they're employed, right? They're go-go dancers. They can afford their own cars, and they don't. They, I mean, they don't know how much money this guy has. They don't know what it's worth. It just seems. It seems a little crazy. 
<laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. Makes it doesn't no make sense. sense. Yeah, yeah that doesn't make sense. And maybe that's uh, you know, maybe that's part of the whole exploitation, sexploitation. Motivations aren't necessarily well defined, and they're they're done for effect. Um, so the the story is more or less uh, setting up of certain scenes. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, I think Varla is supposed to. I mean, they keep talking about her. She's she's uh, more stallion than she is mare. Yeah, right. that's one of the lines from the old. Well, man. she's into chicks and dudes, I guess. I don't know, but she's into whatever you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, here, here's here's something she talks about just for her attitude on life. I like men with big appetites. Only I could never find one to match mine. Honey, you, uh, what you eat seems to settle in the right places, but then uh, you look to me like a gal with a big appetite for everything. I try to think big. <laughs> I try the to innu- think big. The innuendo. I think it's almost in every line of this film. I mean, it, it doesn't ever seem to, you know. Like when they're going to the ranch, I don't have the audio sample. They say they're going to use the back door. Oh, really? I don't yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, it's funny. This film has no nudity. No, it doesn't. Uh, and it has no swearing. And uh, Yeah, I guess it doesn't. And the violence is, uh, it's there, but... It's not really that shocking. It's kind of funny when uh, people are getting run over there at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just maybe a limit of the filmmaking. It is sort of a weird film. I mean, it's not on Netflix for some reason. I don't know why it wouldn't be. I know Netflix has uh, a yeah. no pornography rule, but this is this is a piece of classic cinema. Why would it not be on Netflix? I well, had to you go had to find it. Yeah, describe how you found it. Well, I had to go and get it from. Um, Scarecrow Video, where I go to get DVDs that I can't get by Netflix. I like to get them on DVDs because it's easier to sample the audio that way. And um, they didn't even have it in their Russ Meyer section, where they have you know they have the, they have a great director section where they organize movies by director. But this movie wasn't there. It was up in their back pornography room next to like the man on man hot loving <laughs> it's so odd because no, it's not i had to go up there with all the other guys that haven't figured out internet pornography yet are those and, like uh, all 60 year old men who are those I, I don't it was just a couple of normal dorky guys up there just like the old days when i used to go to porno shops but uh yeah i don't know why it's up there maybe it was i wonder if this caught the public's attention when it came out and for some reason was considered uh, dangerous. Uh, it seemed, I mean, okay, so this film came out in the 60, in 65. So, yeah, you it know, it's, it's, it's pretty modern. It's not like it came out in 55. Well, what was risque or uh, cutting edge or... Uh, I think it's the portrayal of women as hungry animals. And it really, I maybe it disturbed people. Well, you know, there's this trope. And I'm going to call it the Molly Millions trope, and it's sort of a literary reference. It's the William Gibson. Oh, I guess you'd call her a protagonist in the novel Neuromancer. Have you ever read that? No, I have not. All right. Well, she's like, what do they call her? A razor girl. And she's basically uh, gun for hire, kind of the cyberpunk universe of William Gibson. And she, you know, uh, has casual sex, kills people for money uh sometimes has sex for money 
and is more or less a uh, urban mercenary who really doesn't answer to no one. And since that novel came out in, I think, 84, you see echoes, a ton of echoes in, I would say, comic book literature. Uh, I guess another analogy would be maybe, or another comparison would be uh, the Trinity character from, um, what's that? The Matrix. The Matrix movies. Yeah, it really, looks would, almost would, exactly like uh, Molly, Molly Millions, Millions, but it sounds described. like her personality is different from way how different, you but the Molly look Millions. is the same. And there's a thing that men have, and it's some kind of weird fantasy that I haven't really come to terms with, but they like to see women, hot women, acting like men, kind of in the capacity of an action hero. And I think it gives. They think maybe that's sort of a, a feminist idea, but I don't really think it is. I think it's a completely uh, masculine sensibility. I don't think that uh, women would view like the character of Molly Molly Millions as a oh um, and somebody to look up to or a role model. In any way, just like Varla is really no role model for women, you know. Well, I mean, I guess there's uh, there's certainly something to be said about fighting against the patriarchy in society, especially back in the 60s. So in, in a way, it's sort of like feminine as we see today, you know, part of fighting against the sort of uh, masculine nature of society and the way it sort of marginalizes women. Uh, to a lesser and lesser effect as the years go by. Uh, sometimes I think that taking on some of the old masculine tropes is probably a good way to fight that well, uh, aspect of society. So I guess there's a certain part of feminism that is co-opting some traditional masculine roles, if you see what it, I mean. Yeah, and that's why I think this film is popular, because it does that. It takes a... Uh, I don't know, Old West outlaw and is casted in the form of, you know, these crazy women. I mean, these women maybe might as well be the James gang the way they yeah, would It would be interesting to see a remake of this movie where the gender of every character has been changed. So it's actually three guys that like racing cars. It's uh, a lecherous old woman and her two daughters. Yeah, movie. well, that would be kind of weird. I don't know if it, would, would be I, it might fall apart at that point. I don't know. It'd be sort of a fun exercise to do. <laughs> I was thinking of it more just in the, yeah, just a outlaw gang of chicks, you know, wandering you know, the we, desert. The thing I found really interesting is sort of the, um, there's just a, there's a mirror. It's a weird mirror of uh there's two characters that really are very similar to each other in this movie and it's varla and the old man they're two similar characters even though they couldn't have any more different appearances i mean they're both lecherous they're both really only interested in their own um in their own goals and everybody else can go fuck off as far as they're concerned yeah, it's, it's really it's really interesting how these two sort of very similar characters who take very different forms are really the two people at loggerheads in this film. So the old man he run, he owns the ranch and he is in a wheelchair 
And yeah. uh, you remember how he got to be in the wheelchair? It's sort of the impetus for his uh, his his female hatreds. Oh, he. Uh, I think he saves a woman from getting hit by a train, and he gets hit instead, right? And then she takes off on the next train. Yeah, she doesn't pay him back by uh, going down on his knob. Here, here's just sort of sums up his feelings about women. They let them vote, smoke, and drive. Even put them in pants. So what do you get? A, a Democrat for president. A lot of smoke up your chimney. Russian roulette on the highway. You can't even tell brother from sister unless you meet him head on. Yeah, so I, 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 he really hates women. And you can tell you have a feeling that he's also impotent. I mean, the film's pretty, uh, it sort of hits you over the head a little bit, but it doesn't really say it straight up. Well, he has uh, to a point he, where he's he's talking with his uh, his son Kirk, the sane one, and they're talking about his brother. And uh, you know, Kirk, you know, he's making the argument that, uh, well, here, let me just play it. Brother, <laughs> brother to what? You proud to have that animal for kin? What he is now, you manufactured. What he could be is your son. Yeah, he's my seedling. I can't deny that. But he ain't no son to me. He's a, a piece of mutton, a blob of flesh. He's no use to no one. Well, you seem to find him useful. Well, he's an instrument. He's a means. He's for using in things that humans can't do. I won't do. All right, have it any way you want. I'm not for talking anymore. I'm for eating. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so um, he's... Uh, He's talking about using him. He's a tool. I think he uses him to rape women because they talk about some other woman that was hurt. So you feel like he's impotent, but he still feels like he needs to act violently. And I think some people get really angry, just like the whole movie started at the beginning, that sex and violence, they're they're intertwined. They're almost the same thing. And he uses sex and violence to punish women. But He's like the... uh, he He can't do it. So he has his... The vegetable do it. He's like the S and M version of the Master Blaster from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You know, has the giant retarded kid to go do his uh, bidding while he uh, rides shotgun. Oh my god, that's an interesting idea. I never thought about that. But the nah, guy in Master Blaster loved the big idiot, right? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. A, well, least, and I don't think there's love here necessarily. Yeah, no, it's a different thing. I was just, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, so. Um, but it, it seems really disingenuous, his whole hatred, you know, so some chick, he hates uh, women. well, I mean, is it, he must've, he has a bigger ax to grind than some chick. Uh, well, yeah, he has the well ax to grind that, uh, his wife was killed in childbirth. So he was sort of scarred by that as well. Uh, well, maybe right? he's the most interesting character in the entire, uh, film here. Well, I think he is because he's the one that both of us can identify with. You know, we both hate women, you know? We do, a lot. We like to, we like to use our uh, penis as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I no, like but, to outfit mine with blades and... Uh, we both know. have a muscular, retarded man that lives with us and does handiwork around the house. <laughs> Who doesn't? No, I mean, he is the, he's sort of the character that... I mean, there's a... Is there a part of you that sort of hates women? Just a little part. Hates women. Yeah, um, just a little bit. I, I'd say hates is too. Uh, uh, is well, too it just could be part of yourself. What to be like? Part there's of a, myself? There's a part of me that. Mean? Well, there's a part of me that sort of 
it's it's not so much hatred it's more jealousy of the uh sort of the innate sexuality of women and i sort of fear it to a certain extent and sort of covet it i mean the way that the ability to use your sexuality as a tool would just well, kind of be it see i mean you see varla do it at a couple points and you see the other women do it it would be just such an amazing tool to have to use the wield and you could use it to hurt people so it's just such a sharp instrument i just it would be nice to be able to wield such an instrument uh, well it's interesting for a while well because most people um most women wield that instrument incorrectly i would say and when i mean incorrectly they don't they all do dress it. all slutty right no 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 they don't wield it to maximum effect and they don't wield it to, well, what, they what do you mean by that? Well, I, I don't think that they realize like the power that they have over men. And men realizing that builds their resentment to the point where they put them in burkas and, you know, beat them up and, you know, like yeah, all those shitty I'm, countries and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So it, it's a... Uh, I've always thought that patriarchy really comes stems from that. That men realized a long time ago that they're really at the disadvantage here. Of course. In the uh, power struggle in relationships. And well, that if they're gonna if they're gonna mirror that, they gotta really keep the boot heel on women. All right. To give it a really quick historical biological context, uh there's an incentive for men to control female sexuality. And uh, to a point of absurdity, which is usually how, you know, it manifests in the most abusive cultures that we know. And the reason is, is because you don't want your woman or your daughters fooling around because you want to maintain your seed and make sure that in an evolutionary world that you are propagating your genes into the future. And so there's... This whole, you know, incentive to control female sexuality. And it gets wrapped up in the hypocrisy. Like in, in the U.S., we get it in the form of uh, uh, the right to life. Or is that what they're called? Or the, you know, free, what, you know, the, the abortion, anti-abortion Stop crowd. killing babies. Yeah, those folks, uh, the people that want to get rid of contraception and Plan B off the shelves, they're all kind of echoes of this old-brained, old-world, uh, I guess, idea about uh, this this fear of, of female sexuality that's pretty strong. And, uh, you know, it... Uh, that's why there's burkas and abayas and uh, well, you, you know honor killings and all that good stuff in the old world. You know that's that's why we get all that shit. And well, so it's, it's all part of the idea of controlling your natural behaviors. And I mean, it's important not to let that fear get a hold of you. Otherwise, you end up kidnapping somebody and holding them in your house for ten years. Oh right? yeah, we just had Cause that, that story because that because that guy must have hated women. I mean, really hated them. It never yeah. really oh, yeah. came to terms with it. I mean, they. I mean, part of that understanding the power that women have is you sort of have to just end up. You be comfortable with it. It's like, like any, like some people are richer than I am. Most people, and yeah. it's just the way it is. I mean, you're not society's structure is not equitable. 
that uh, some people have a higher position, some people have a lower position than you on all sorts of and I'm calculating all sorts of ways. And you sort of have to be comfortable with that and not be really angry about it. Otherwise, you end up sort of turning into some sort of monster. I think. Right. It's like I've, I've, I've grown extremely comfortable with the idea that uh, more attractive people have are happier than I am, and I'm fine with that. And you know, they're allowed that, and that's the way the chips fell. Uh, you know, so it is. Yeah, I mean, in a way, well, like anything, you, you can't hold hatred in your heart. It does more damage to you. We've talked about this in the past, like jealousy or anything like that. You know, you can't, you can't bemoan it too much. Otherwise, you end up just hurting yourself more. Right. So back Unless to our original, mm-hmm. back to our original question, your original question to me. I think I don't and genuinely don't have any kind of nascent hatred at all for the opposite sex i think what i have is maybe uh a slight disbelief that um men (laughs) are are so at the whims of uh female sexuality that they're so uh controlled by it and uh confused by it and um blinded by it that uh i don't know It, it you have a disbelief of that, or you're amazed by it? Amazed. I'm extremely amazed uh, how much power uh, women can wield over men, you know, to the point that they're launching a thousand ships and going to, uh, you know, invade Troy. I mean, it, it, to me, it just is, it's still befuddling to this day how much power uh, women ca- have the capability to wield over unknowingly i would say it's unknowingly they don't know no, how I, don't, I wouldn't say that at all really but all no right. no not at all i mean i think there's a lot of women that are aware of the uh the ability the power that sexuality gives them in a disparity in, in interpersonal relationships i think that that's why in the past men have used uh violence as the main way to sort of uh equal that equation but uh, violence is no longer an option. So, you know, doesn't it seem that the sort of power relationship between men and women is inherently unequal and in the woman's favor? These days, oh my God, feminists would kill me. All the ladies from Jezebel would go tell me to go jump off a cliff. They'll find you. They're going to rat you out. They're going to rat you out to Jezebel. They're going to come in. <laughs> they're going to blacklist our podcast. I mean, I'm okay with it. I've, I'm. It's. It doesn't matter that much to me. There's more to life than, uh, oh, sinking your firm member into some. All right. All right. Welcoming. Enough. Uh, enough. All right, dude. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but uh, but it, it is. Isn't it unequal? I mean, it's okay. I mean, that's life. But that's the case, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think so. Right. Um, well, that's all right. Though. The the thing though is is that as we grow older as men. Uh, we stop libido. caring as much. Well, libidos tend to uh, decrease exponentially. It's really nice. I, I, I sort of, I really like it. To be quite honest, like as I'm back hitting, in hitting my up to forty. Yeah, back in my, I am at forty. Yeah, back in my early twenties, uh, I was like a gorilla chained to the wall. I mean, I was, you know, it was bad. I, I, I and that's like the worst position you could be in because. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I viewed myself as kind of a dopey white guy. wasn't the greatest looking of dudes, so my capital wasn't there to uh, cash in on any of my uh, hormones at the time, and so it was just this hideous 
combination of sexual frustration that uh, really made the early 20s somewhat unbearable, you know. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I could just give a shit less and less and less. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. really, it's actually, it's really nice. It's freeing. So uh, to all our younger listeners, our younger male listeners, uh, it gets better. I sort of think I've sort of, in a way, sort of envy Morrissey a little bit in his asexuality. Oh, that's you know? just crap. Especially, especially in that's your just 20s. Crap. That's you get just... a lot more done not worrying about that Oh, shit. he's just trying to sell uh, albums to the sexual frust- sexually frustrated. I don't believe it. I don't believe a lick of it. Nobody oh, my God. I've been used by Morrissey. <laughs> nobody's, Damn you. I should nobody's, never bought all those Smith albums. Yeah, nobody's asexual unless they're eunuchs. That's kind of my, uh, my thing. So... Uh, it's all bullshit. So this movie's Morrissey. sort of about the fear of women by men. I mean, they've drawn these really dangerous women, and they're really sexy, and they're really violent, and they have questionable morals. Yeah. And they want your money, and they want your life, and they'll right. do whatever it takes to get it. And I'm scared. Right. Help they'll me. fuck you in a shitty shack out on an abandoned ranch somewhere on the ground just to get at your money, you know? So, <laughs> so this movie really is, I mean, if anything, it's a real, it's about scared men. This whole it's movie. Hype, it's hyperbole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most yeah, definitely. About being a scared, weak man. And like, oh, in winds. a way, I guess that's okay. It's just, uh, it's not exactly the way I like, like, I don't, <laughs> it's not how I want to live my life. So being afraid of women or something like that. Well, Yeah. Well, it's funny, the whole, uh, we were talking about the name, uh, in the, the name of this film and, uh, why Russ Myers called it faster pussycat kill kill. I never looked up why that was ta- called that. Um, he wanted to combine like the violence, which is kill kill with the sexual part of it, uh, pussycat and then the action faster. So it's just a mashup of words that it's almost uh, like a piece of art. Where they've just put things together to be evocative. It doesn't right. mean anything. It just evokes. You know, it's funny. The word "pussycat" is that where we get the word "pussy"? Is that where that all comes from? I, I, I no, can't no, even. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know the origin. The, uh, etiology of that. That's like actually probably pretty interesting. Uh, it's Nobody one of calls. My, it's one of my favorite terms for the female reproductive organs. Yeah, that's nice. How randy. I always like pussy. I think that's. I think that's a good one. It's better than the C word. Cunt? Yeah. Uh, I sort of like cunt too. That's a that's a pretty it's a pretty powerful one. It's got a good it's got a good sound to it like cock. You know? Yeah. That's like an exclusive porno word. Uh, cock? Uh, yeah. You don't hear that um uh that word much outside of uh you know that context. At least mm. uh, I can't. I mean, I don't you know. use it at work every day. It's like stop being a cock, you know. You don't hear that one. <laughs> you do. You don't yeah. hear cocksucker like you used to either. No, I think it's because it's sort of considered a uh, uh, sort of a demeaning term towards homosexuals, right? No, I think it's just a lot of hard consonants, and it sounds like fucker, motherfucker. So I think that's why it's just uh, you know, um, yeah. It's 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 it's. My dad used to say it all the time when he was working on something mechanical and he would uh, bark his knuckles with a wrench you know i remember hearing that one a lot <laughs> motherfucker no cocksucker oh cocksucker he'd yeah, call like one. he'd call inanimate uh machinery that he was working on that would uh vex him 
cocksucker. cocksucker. You know, that, that's, that's funny because it, I, I, oh man, when I'm working on something, like I'm doing something on my computer or I'm working outside or something, yeah. and something's frustrating me, I, I always, I always call thing, things cunts. Really? Yeah, I always call let's things see, cunts. Let's see, cocksucker has a more, you can say it louder, it has a lot cocksucker. of nice hard cunts. You can, say nice, cunt, you can say cunt loud too. Uh, it doesn't to me. It doesn't have the verbal release. Doesn't have the the, yeah. the you know. I I I rarely get into the position where I'm calling things cocksucker, but uh, my dad found it extremely satisfying. Well, I have I have a lot I have a lot uh, fiery temper than you do. I think. Oh, all right. So, uh, pussycat. I guess that's just the uh, you know word for a vixen. Uh, I guess my guess is it's probably pretty modern. Pussycat. Yeah. Uh okay yeah whatever I don't know where that came from but that's, but it is uh, a very evocative title I've always wanted to see it you know it's a it's a movie that you hear about the title and you go what is that I'm surprised I never really saw it just because maybe I'm not as adventurous as I could be with my uh, film choices no I think you're adventurous enough ah <laughs> 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 oh, there's the old uh, b- a little bit of a slight backstab right there. <laughs> I'd say a backhand, not necessarily a backstab. Oh, and by uh, the way, I'm pretty sure throwing a knife at 20 yards isn't going to kill somebody. I just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, in the shoulder? I mean, it didn't even... I mean, I don't even know. Like, it would maybe hit a lung when... Uh, what's her name? Varla throws a knife and drops Billy to the ground. <laughs> yeah. It could maybe separate her spinal cord, but she still have... She still have lung function and be able to move her well, arms. She was like she 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 was dead when she hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, I know that was she had a, that was pretty stupid. Yeah, it was like a it was just like a switchblade or something, wasn't it? Yeah, she had like a really weak constitution. Her body just totally <laughs> gave out with the uh, you know. But she'd been drinking all during lunch. She just oh yeah, she was drinking the Cuddy Sark, which yeah, uh, it was Cuddy Sark. Fucking Cuddy Sark. Yeah. Um. Yeah, fine whiskey is meant to be sharing, like Cuddy Sark. Yeah, Cuddy Sark. That's uh, your grandfather's uh, scotch there. Yeah, that, that's your a, cheap you know, grandfather's only, scotch. There's only one thing you got to mix that shit. You got to mix Cuddy Sark. Yeah, yeah. You would mix Instead that cold. One of my favorite scotch mixes is uh, blended scotch and ginger ale. It's a good mm. mix. I've been doing scotch and soda lately. That's a good one. It's one of my because I've been drinking favorites. a lot of just straight up soda water because uh, it's been a replacement for diet coke. Because I'm trying to, I don't know, people would say even diet coke doesn't isn't good for you because it tells your body you're getting calories and your body doesn't want stuff. Really? Yeah, that's oh, what I, I drink a shit ton of it. It's yeah, well, you should consider a change into sparkling water. It's you know it really has it fills all the needs without uh, that. Uh, I mean, I like aspartame, but. Uh, I find it to be just as refreshing as uh, as Diet Coke. It's got like a nice sourness to it from the, its pH is like two, so it tastes right. sort of sour. It's nice. You got a beverage tip here from Mark. So. Yeah, and put a little put a little scotch in it. Yeah, put a little really scotch in everything. That's a good. That's a good getting home from work drink because you yeah. got to hydrate and get drunk at the same time. So, how does the whole movie work out for everybody? How does being um, uh, a lecherous old man, or how how does being a no holds barred selfish uh, vixen work out for everybody? Well, who survives? Let's just go uh, through that. Kirk and does he? Uh, He's kind of like 
he's kind of writhing on the ground. Does he actually get up off the ground? I don't remember. Yeah, right at the end after uh, uh, Linda runs over, uh, gets the car and, and runs over Varla and she dies. Yeah. yeah. And uh, both Linda and, I mean, yeah, Linda and uh, Kirk. So there's uh, the one survive. scene where Varla has the vegetable pinned up against the wall with her car. And she's trying oh, yeah. to squish him like a bug or, uh-huh. you know. And uh, he's, like, mus- muscly, so he's pushing away. And mm-hmm. then she uh, bogs down. And then she stops and gets out. Yeah. And then what happens? Because then it's well, the does, next does scene she... is her, her her driving across the desert in the Jeep. Oh, and she, like, well, he, the... he must survive. Or does she, like... No, she goes and she brags in. to uh, the other brother how uh, she turned him into a pretzel. Well, maybe she, because uh, he was down on the ground sort of exhausted, maybe she stomped his head in or something. That's not turning somebody into a pretzel. Uh, oh, maybe she turned him into a pretzel, got some rock salt out from the garage. Yeah, sprayed and, some and, mustard into his eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that, that Varla, she is cold-hearted. Spraying mustards into some incapacitated man's eyes. <laughs> that's pretty fucking cruel. Maybe that's what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, then she runs over the old man who has, uh, like, the worst uh, wheelchair ramp installed into his property. I was like, <laughs> when, wouldn't you get a wheelchair that has, like, the front little little uh, casters and then has the big back wheels as opposed to kind of the reverse? Because he has to go over all these little bumps and stuff. It's such a slow chase, too. I called it, I wrote in my notes, slow chase over small step. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he says, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to be able to make it to the house in my shotgun. I'm just uh-huh. going to take this bitch head on. And then, she, and then he like screams yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> and then he points his wheelchair at her car and then she punts him. And like yeah, a really. Everybody dies instantly in this, in this movie. <laughs> I w- that was a very unsatisfying wheelchair crash. I was expecting at least maybe some multiple shots of a dummy in a wheelchair. Like running in the car, getting caught in the wheel well or something. Yeah, just or just punting the body like 100 <laughs> yards or something. Instead, you just get, like, I think a close-up of his face and then a tipped-over wheelchair with uh, Varla uh, ripping out in, behind it. And he's keeping his uh, money that he got from his settlement with the railroad. Oh, underneath I, the seat of the wheelchair. Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, uh, well, I got to tell you, that's going to be some sneaky money. Because there's nothing like a old person in a wheelchair smell coming off their seat. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, I know all about that. It all ain't right. pleasant. All right, lovely. Well, who's he hiding it from? He's That's just where he keeps it. He's hiding it from <laughs> okay. whoever comes by. Really? You can't just put it? Like in the house in a billfold or something, or <laughs> that would know, probably be a better shoebox keeping your wheelchair. But yeah. then it's always with him because he always has his wheelchair no matter where he goes. Yeah. Well, and then the other um, when Varla uh, meets her 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 end, where she gets punted by a car uh, in like sort of a sped up scene, you know, to give it a little bit more action. Mm-hmm. Um, previous to that, what's the older brother's name? Kirk. Yeah. The Kirk and Varla fight. I was like, there's so many fucking rocks sitting around there. Nobody's picking up a rock and bashing somebody's head in. I was like, well, 
It's like, does nobody know, like, the first thing in hand-to-hand combat, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what can I say? Maybe they it was a gentleman's agreement. It was fists, fisticuffs only. <laughs> a gentleman's agreement with a uh, large lesbian and uh, kind of a... <laughs> A uh, uh, small statured man, yeah. I or why didn't Linda like throw a rock at her, bash her in? You know, she was worthless. I was uh, mad that Rosie got killed by the vegetable. Uh, yeah, the vegetable. I didn't got quite a understand homicidal. the vegetable's reasoning there. He's mm. he's sort of he doesn't understand death. I mean, they play that earlier that he killed his mother as he came out, but he doesn't know what that means. And so you sort of see him staring at Billy's body. Almost expecting him to say, "Why move no more? Why Billy yeah, no yeah, move?" <laughs> yeah, and then and then, but he instantly understands homicide. Like a few yeah. minutes later, and know. for some reason is mad at Rosie and like shoves her in the gut. That makes no sense. Multiple times. Yeah, yeah that didn't make sense. I mean, I mean, yeah, I I, I just didn't see the vegetable doing that. It would have been better he- if he would have taken the knife out of Billy, mm-hmm. and then they go, "You want the knife back, Rosie?" And then throw it at Rosie and have it like stick her in the neck. You know, that's that what I was thinking. I thought he like, hand it to her handle first and accidentally stick her through the heart and be like, yeah. "What did I do? Me no understand how knife work." <laughs> sharp, See, hurt, sharp better. may stop moving. Sharp may stop moving. Oh man! <laughs> if I would have been a script consultant on uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, I would have. Yeah, uh, that could that, that could have been a rewrite. All right. Uh, so, so you got any? Any other big points of uh, Faster Pussycat that we haven't really uh, stepped in yet? No, I think I've uh, dug my grave pretty All well right. already. <laughs> then you're going to have the, the Jezebel posse come after oh, you online. Jesus and, Christ. Uh, um, so, let's look at Ebert. Ebert reviewed this movie in 95. Um, he starts out by making a bit of a uh, disclosure at the beginning that uh, he wrote one of Russ Meyer's screenplays, uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which we might do at some point in the future. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. And, uh, it's a weird he movie. And uh, as a result, he had uh, not been reviewing Russ Meyer films professionally uh, due to the conflict of interest. But um, <clears throat> he says in 95... Uh, why not a review from someone who has a conflicted interest? Myers fans are vociferously partisan. And here is a movie that director John Waters calls beyond a doubt, the best movie ever made and possibly better than any film that will be made in the future. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about old so he John says, Waters. what the hell? No, I think it's probably, yeah. it's, I think it's fair to, as long as you're honest with your readers that you have, you know, you're not going to pan it. Uh, why not? And I think it's, I think I'm glad he did. It's a pretty interesting uh, review. Uh, so anyway, so he goes on to talk about the movie that um, there's a quintessential Russ Meyer image, a towering woman with enormous breasts who dominates all the men around her, demands sexual satisfaction and casts off men, casts off men in the same way that in mainstream sexual fantasies, men cast aside women. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's kind of the Molly Millions it, thing I was talking about before. But, but who would? I don't. Do men really in modern film? Do men who aren't total dicks just cast aside women? Maybe in the old days, but not now. Uh, James Bond 
Have you ever seen a James Bond movie? Oh, you're right. Well, James Bond's sort of an asshole. Well, but the new James Bond's more touchy feely. He he mourns now, the loss there, of his Like girlfriend. we've already went in Goldfinger, we talked about this where you have the first seductress. There's always two women in a James Bond movie. Mm. There's the first Bond girl who uh he sleeps with and then dies and then he just moves on to the next Bond girl. He makes a know? crack after afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Joke. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. God, that's really creepy. So. Yeah, I guess you don't see the creepiness because you're not a woman, but it must be pretty creepy for women. Why would women like James Bond movies? Uh, you, they? They've just gotten used to that. You know, you just get used to that <laughs> whole uh, archetype. So I guess I don't know if I'd want to read a see a whole series of movies where it's Varla over and over again. <laughs> well, if oh, that's just... uh, the accepted form, I mean, we men like that kind of thing. They like uh, you know they like the whole. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a current sort of badass female lead uh it's heavy in comic books that whole that whole trope the uh you know basically the action hero the 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 female in a you know man's role kind of thing action role i would say okay i guess i guess i'm not terribly familiar with it um let me see here he says um Meyer's extraordinary women are, of course, fascinating to those with breast fetishes. I guess that's uh, might yeah. be Ebert. Yeah. But look a little longer, and you notice that the breasts are not always presented as centers of desire. Instead, they're weapons used to intimidate men. Uh, and uh, all right. I think that's sort of interesting. They are in this in this, and he talks about her makeup looks terrifying. He calls it kabuki style. Because you notice how she had her face sort of painted white. It yeah. was a little disturbing. She almost looked ghoulish to a, yeah, a she, certain Yeah, and she had those, uh, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I was going to say, like, Betty Page on a bad day, you know. And he also mentioned something that I was going to mention but didn't happen to. Uh, her abundant cleavage, he's talking about uh, Varla here, seems as firmly locked in, seems to be firmly locked in place. It does. Yeah. It's, it just never moves. I mean, they're like almost about ready to pop out, but they're just stiff as boards there. <laughs> right. And uh, you couldn't, because you can't think of her as fondle, fondleable. No, she doesn't look very uh, soft. Yeah, not, you wouldn't want to cozy up to her. Oh, man. Could you imagine spooning? Ooh. Yeah. She'd just um, elbow, you in, elbow you in the gut and you'd die instantly. That's how that would go. But he's he, then he asks, well, what are these? What is the point of these images of this of these women? And he goes, the feminist and lesbian film critic B. Ruby Rich wrote at length on Pussycat in a recent Village Voice. She says, uh, viewing it, she has changed her view as the years have gone by, and now she views it as a female fantasy. It's and its images of empowerment fascinating, fasc, fascinate her. And um, so, you know, I guess maybe is that the same side as sort of, I mean, if you're a woman, you see it as empowering to be a total cunt, right? Yeah. But as men, you see it as the fulfillment of your darkest fear of women, right? Which is kind of tantalizing and exciting in a, you know, certain Mm. kind of way. Just scary. I just find her scary. Varla, very frightening. Uh... If you're in the boobs, though, she just you know, like manhandle you and then you oh, know God. have her way with you. That sounds kind of enticing. 
Ooh, you know. never know. She she scares the shit out of me. So it's interesting. That, I mean, it's it's got so dependent on your viewpoint. This movie. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why it's kind of where it's at in the cult canon of today is that uh, you know we're so used to stereotypes in film. We're so used to archetypes of a certain kind in film. That when they're flipped, and this movie's 65, so, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's almost 40 years old. Uh, seeing that stereotype... Almost 50 so, years old. 50, yeah. Seeing that stereotype just flipped, it, you know, just juxtaposed, uh, I think sort of exposes a lot of our maybe preconceived notions about, uh, you know, gender roles. And I think that's why this movie gets people discussing that sort of thing, like the critic you just mentioned and even ourselves. And, you know, do we have hatred for women? You know, is this movie a touch on that? Does it somehow uh, expose that? You know, it's a good question. And, and we uh, both we both learned that neither of us have feelings like that because we're more modern and civilized. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're. Well, are you joking or are you? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm joking. A little bit. All right. Um, so, you know, he doesn't talk about it from the man's perspective at all, which I think is sort of weird, but he's a little bit of a bleeding heart, old uh, old Roger Ebert. So I guess you yeah. can't really see it from that perspective. Um, so he goes to sum it up that uh, what attracts audiences to this movie is not sex. And not really violence either, but a pop art fantasy image of powerful women filmed with high energy and exaggerated in a way that seems bizarre and unnatural, just as you said, until you realize that Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, and all the Bond, the old Bond movies at least, right. in, in your what you pointed out, play more or less the same character. So I think yeah, that's sort of the, that's true. the interesting perspective that this film gives. And in, in a way, I, I found it very disturbing and, uh, well, and enlightening and to a certain extent. I, I don't think this is, uh, and I don't really think this is, I think a lot of women gra- would gravitate towards this film as sort of a feminist, uh, I don't know exaggeration or hyperbole or, or something where well, you sometimes just you need to exaggerate things to make your point you know you need to set up a hard contrast just so it breaks through your preconceived notions of of how society works and i think that's something that this, this film does well i just think that women will never become men uh, will never take on a role of a man in such a defined specific way as you see in this film so that's maybe why it's a fantasy you know, I think the feminist feminist ideal is much more complex than just swapping, you know, gender roles, making men the victim of 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 you know female guile and uh, yeah. all that. Well, of course, yeah. this film is a simple high contrast piece to show sort of the bizarreness of our sexual roles if we tear to look at them with fresh eyes. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I guess on that note, it's more abstract than than pragmatic, you know. Yeah. I think it's anyway. good that we finally. I think I'm, I'm glad I finally saw this film. And uh, uh, yeah, I I think our discussion really helped me sort of understand it from that perspective. It's something I don't I know if I liked see. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I liked <laughs> I it either. But a lot of the important things in life, as we both 
figured out long ago are necessarily things you like. Uh, but as I get older, they should be more things I like because I don't have that much more time left on the earth, <laughs> you know. I want to get maximum enjoyment out of things. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I also want to learn and get new perspectives, and sometimes that's slightly painful. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, anyway. All right. So what's up uh, next week? We're uh, shifting gears. We're going to be doing uh, one of my favorite movies as a kid, uh, The Dark Crystal by Jim Henson. And um, Will and I were just talking about The Dark Crystal. I, I talked to him recently. And it's just kind of a freaky movie. I mean, it's, you know, no pun intended, but it's dark. Uh, it has some kind of disturbing stuff going on. For a Muppet movie, you know, because uh, you're up till then you're you're more used to the Muppet Show and you know uh, Kermit, Miss Piggy, and stuff, and then you get uh, the Dark Crystal, which is a whole high fantasy uh, sort of thing with a lot of you know kind of disturbing, nightmarish stuff for kids, and uh, I thought it was I, I thought it was great stuff. So um, we're gonna see a puppet show next week and. Uh, until then, go, go, go!